Hello, you're listening to EG Property Podcast with Sarah Jackman. Today, I'm joined by three guests to discuss a new initiative from Close Brothers Property Finance. It's called Tomorrow's Developer, a network to support the next generation of UK house builders. The network, launched in November last year, seeks to address and remove the barriers preventing the next generation from starting their small to medium-sized house building businesses. To talk me through the detail, I'm joined by Andrew Argent, Business Development Manager in the Property Finance Division at Close Brothers, as well as Alex McDonald from Macar Developments and Ross Fink from the Griffin Group. Both Alex and Ross have been involved with the Tomorrow's Developer Initiative, both from a speaker and a member perspective. Andrew, Alex, Ross, many thanks for joining me today. Great to have you on the podcast. Andrew, perhaps I can start with you. Tomorrow's Developer was launched late last year. Tell me a little bit first about the reasons behind that and what motivated Close Brothers to launch it. Hi, Sarah. Yes, of course. Uh, This was an initiative that we came up with internally after reviewing our loan book and recognising that our average age of our borrowers is actually 52 and what we could do in order to attract and encourage the next generation of, of developers. I mean, SMEs were the bedrock of housing supply and the numbers have unfortunately dwindled over the last 25 years by around about 80%. So we really do need to encourage the next gen into the property industry. And reports also suggest that a quarter of the UK construction workforce, which is around about 500,000 people, scheduled to retire in the next 10 to 15 years, which will leave a clear gap in the number of experienced professionals in the industry. So as a bank, we're really conscious that we need to support the next generation as they are very much the innovators and will be building the houses of the future. So Tomorrow's Developer was born, which is solely aimed at creating relationships with the next gen of developers and very much helping them break down the barriers of entry into property development, which we all know are very high. So we intend to help them via a strong and uh, well-developed network and those of some of our key industry partners, which you really hope will unlock some development opportunities in due course for them. Okay. You mentioned that decline over the last couple of decades in, in terms of the number of SME developers. Tell me a little bit about the context to that and, and the reasons behind why that gap has emerged. I think there's quite a few barriers to entry into the industry. That's one of the key considerations, I think, at the moment. I think planning is one of the one of the fundamental aspects that is stopping the next generation of developers, as well as SMEs in general. I think it's a very fragmented system and there have been various different reforms that have happened over over the last five years or so and nothing's really pushing forwards in, in the right direction. So I think the government really needs to step back and have a, a proper think about planning reform because ultimately that will unlock smaller, more manageable sites for SMEs. In terms of the, the newer, younger developers, there's quite a few other barriers. I think track record getting into the industry is a barrier in terms of finance, rightly so to a certain extent. There's a lot of expertise that's required going from site of planning consent all the way up to having a tangible asset that can be sold on the open market. But there's other aspects such as finding sites, especially at the moment in terms of paying the right price for them uh, and also sourcing capital day one. And getting into the industry is something that I've been consistently asked about by newbie developers and how they create that track record initially. That's a question that Ross certainly asked me. And I'm sure that's a journey that Alex has been through when he first started out as well. And I think somebody starting out really needs to be able 
has bring something to the table. A JV type scenario is a good way to start out if you're trying to sort of start in the industry, perhaps finding a site and then teaming up with a good branded local developer and partnering with them, thereby uh, getting the experience yourself, learning the ropes, but also getting that track record by virtue of the fact of being a shareholder in that company as well. There are some lower tiered lenders that would potentially lend to some first timers. We are not going to change our underwriting principles in that regard. But I guess the only thing that I would say is to find yourself a decent manageable scheme in order to start out with, because as I mentioned, it's a relatively difficult industry to operate in and you need to make sure that those risks are mitigated as and when you do find that opportunity. But using this network, we're very much there to try and create opportunities whether that be via professionals or potentially our clients further down the line. So tell me a little bit then about the initiative itself, who it's aimed at and what you've done in practice in, in terms of getting it up and running since November. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, it's there to attract the next gem. So the venues that we've, we've chosen have had to be pretty quirky, pretty cool. So we've sourced some designer hotels and clubs which have, which have proved popular. Each event has a particular theme as well. So the first one, which was hosted in November, was very much the flagship event and included guest speakers such as Andy Hill from the Hill Group and also Alex, who's on this podcast, kindly did a presentation for us as well. And the idea in there was to have two presenters of two levels of experience. So we have Andy Hill has obviously been running a very sustainable and very successful business for a significant amount of time talking through his journey, talking about how he built his business up, but then also Alex that has been operating probably for about the last five years, very much next gen himself, has done it recently and we found that a lot of the members really resonated with what Alex had to say because he's done it so recently, which which is great that you've got that varying degree of experience within the initiative. Each event has a networking session afterwards as well, and everybody in the room has the same intentions and the same motivation. So prior to each meeting, every applicant is vetted in terms of their uh, industry experience. So there is a prerequisite that we expect at least two years of property related experience and attendees should be within 25 and 35 years of age. So we are really hitting that next gen segment. But the whole idea is putting ourselves in the developer's shoes and sort of coming up with ideas of how to provide sort of toolkits, practical toolkits and what we think would be beneficial to them. So the second event was focused on planning and sourcing sites. And the reason why we did that is that we actually surveyed the next gen to find out what they would think would be the most beneficial to them. Otherwise, we were just speculating internally what these barriers were. So each of these events are very much tailored in that regard. And Savills co-hosted the event with us and they gave some good presentations about practical tips into bidding for sites. They obviously sit on the other side of the fence sometimes and they were giving their advice in terms of how to make yourself more visible when bidding for sites when you potentially don't have as much experience as somebody else. So um, once again, just trying to really help the next gen and, and give them some good pointers in that regard. In terms of the number of people that attend the events, I think the first event was around about 40, the second event about 75. And although we're looking to grow the network, we are very much focused on quality rather than quantity. Otherwise, you're really in danger of it turning into just another networking event. And that's what we want to try and avoid. We're really trying to make sure it's focused and make a difference. But the feedback has been great so far. Attendees seem to be pretty motivated about it, to be honest. 
and I've actually issued some terms a five million pound loan towards the funding of 24 houses already so that's great for the developer uh, and great for us and, and is certainly building traction. And tell me a little bit about your longer term vision for it. I know that you're hoping, obviously, to to sort of issue terms, I guess, to more people and to really start to sort of build that new portfolio of next generation house builders. But do you have a number in mind or, or what does success look like from this project? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's quite as objective as that in terms of we must write 10 deals a year off the back of this or we have to support 10 clients in five years time I don't think it can be that objective the whole idea of this is obviously unlocking opportunities really ultimately trying to boost the number of SMEs and hopefully the byproducts of that will be the number of houses that are being delivered annually because we know that every year the quota is not being hit but as I mentioned the younger generation are very much the innovators and it's important that they had the support and the opportunity to participate um, in the industry and, and hopefully shape house building for the future. In terms of next steps for the initiative, our next event on the 23rd of June is focusing on the supply chain, which is pretty topical at the moment, and that's being held in conjunction with Travis Perkins. So we've actually come up with something innovative with uh, Travis Perkins recently. It's been labelled as the escrow account, but essentially what it does is help SMEs and SPVs in particular where those come obviously with an SPV, the, the, the company and the asset is essentially ring fenced. So there's not any financial substance and therefore it makes it difficult for those companies to secure decent credit lines with supply chain. So we've teamed up with TP with them knowing that we're underwriting uh, the position with our loan facility, essentially. Uh, and that and then allows the company to procure all of their supply chain with Travis Perkins, whether it be in its entirety or parts of the project and will allow them to store the materials and have them delivered whenever they need them as well. So that's something that is obviously quite forward thinking for the industry and sort of thinking outside of the box in terms of how we're able to help SMEs as well. But yeah, I guess in terms of the initiative, um, now we've got a decent template in place. We're going to look to roll it out into different parts of the country. We lend all over the country, but I think the natural progression for us will probably be the northwest. And then hopefully moving to Birmingham, perhaps Leeds, and then looking at Bristol as well. So we're actually releasing a LinkedIn group, I think today, for, the, for tomorrow's developer members, which will have posts from us, but also some of our professional network. And also act as a sounding board for any of the members to voice any concerns, any queries, or any help that they need, so that we can try and utilise our network to, to assist them in that regard. So yeah, it's building momentum. It's an exciting project, and I think it's got a long way to go yet. Alex, perhaps I can just bring you in now. I believe you were an estate agent before turning to house building work. Tell me a little bit about how you first got started as a developer. Yeah, hi, Sarah. From a young age, I always wanted to go into some form of development. The obvious choice at, at such a young age, I sort of started full-time work at 17. The easiest entry into the property world is through estate agency. So I went into lettings and then into sales. So Back in 2010, we were able to sort of buy our first property and we refurbed it and looked to move on and, and sold it and thought this is an avenue we, we want to keep progressing. So we did and that that slowly progressed alongside working full time in the estate agency world. Estate agency sort of gave you a good footing into all things property so you get a good understanding. 
of how the processes work, what's a good buy and what's not a good buy, how to exit. That's the biggest thing, in my opinion. There's no point even looking at a site if you can't profile who's going to end up buying the finished product on, on, on that particular site. So that's what we did. And that sort of slowly progressed into buying a house that had some land that you could potentially build a house on. Um, and we did that a couple of times. So when I sort of set up Macar in 2017, even though we were a fresh business, the 10, 11 years that I had in a state agency prior to that, alongside doing some refurbishment work and a couple of new build houses, that gave us the footing to really sort of push on. So tell me a little bit then about the challenges that you faced along the way. I think the biggest challenge from when Macar started is getting the right sites and creating value. So creating value prior to putting a spade in the ground. So our USP at Macar Developments, we, we will never purchase a site with a planning consent for two reasons. One, if we get planning ourselves and we can design the homes to what we feel our customers want. And secondly, if you're taking the risk in planning and using your expertise through the planning process, then naturally you're going to buy the site at a less of a price than if it had a planning consent. So when we go to the bank to say, look, this is a development that we now want to go ahead and, and develop, we bought it at X, it's now worth Y because we put it through the planning system. Straight away, it gives the bank comfort. So I would say to any sort of aspiring house builder, property developer, always look at an angle. You can't just go and buy a site with a planning consent and then go and get a main contractor to do the build and then go and pay the land agent all the fees to buy it and all the fees to sell it. Because what are you then doing? You know, you're not bringing any skill to the table. You need to pick one of the three or four disciplines in development that can create you additional value, whether it's planning or whether you're the main contractor yourself and you've got the experience in that field. And then you need to push on with that. Otherwise, you're not going to be attractive enough for the bank and you're just not going to be able to get borrowing. It's going to be very difficult to progress in the, in the house building world without that. You presented at one of the Tomorrow's Developer events and you delivered some of your top tips for getting into the industry. I mean, what sort of advice were you able to offer to people? I mean, you've touched on some of it there, but I mean, what, what sort of general advice did you get a sense that people were in need of? The big thing that I always find from aspiring property developers is that they want quick wins. They want everything now, now, now. And that is the wrong industry with that attitude. Things take time. You need to start on smaller sites that aren't going to necessarily give you retirement money. But what they are going to do is they're going to start just chipping away at that track record and give you the experience that you need to then move on to more profitable sites over time. That would be the biggest takeaway. You need to be patient. How welcome is an initiative like Tomorrow's Developer and just helping the new cohort of people coming into the industry to help address some of those challenges? I think it's a brilliant initiative and I've always been an advocate to sort of help aspiring developers because looking from the outside in, you could just think, right, I'm going to buy this site and I'm going to make a load of money. There's, there's a lot higher chance of buying a site and losing money if you're not careful and you don't have the right support around you which is why the entry into house building is so difficult for the bank. That's not because they're being awkward, because there is a reason. So anyone that, that I can help, then I always will. I, I would always recommend to anyone starting out to try and get some form of mentorship. The more people you're talking to, the better. And go into the Close Brother events. You're going to meet like-minded people and you're going to meet people with less experience than you and you're going to meet people with more experience than you. But 
I think the more people you're talking to with collaboration, the better for your business. Ross, perhaps I can bring you in here. I know that you've been an estate agent for 10 years and you are now the um, new homes and land director at the Griffin Group. I know that you're keen to progress a career in house building. Where are you currently in terms of trying to realise that vision? In terms of where I am with the vision, I have found a couple of sites that we've sort of made offers on um, in the past. I think the main thing for us at the moment, though, is really planning. You know, I spoke with Andy, he sort of gave us an idea of going of a joint venture route. So I've done the hard work in terms of finding a partner. It's already got a track record with Close Brothers. But again, we've, we've sort of made offers on a couple of sites, but just sort of waiting for planning. And to be honest, that's the hardest thing for us, really, is sort of waiting, finding the right site. And when you hear Alex talk about his journey and and tips for getting started, I mean, to what extent have you found those helpful and do they resonate with you? Quite inspiring. He's only a few years older than me, but similar backgrounds. So all in all, you know, a a lot of the things obviously took note about finding a site and obviously creating the value as well by obviously doing the planning yourself. Again, that's all well and good. But sometimes, you know, when, when you're looking to build the site as well, you need a deposit for the site as well as obviously having the money to, to get the uplift. And tell me how useful it is to go to these events and not only to hear from people like Alex who can share their advice, but to connect with other people from the industry. How valuable is that to you? Um, it's, it's very valuable. I mean, I've been to a, a lot of networking events in the past and um, not all of them have actually been sort of property related. So it's so something like this where it's tailored, people are actually vetted to go there has been very helpful for me and obviously just sitting down and listening to a couple of people talking for instance Alex uh, Andy Hill as well there was another couple of people that we listened to the other week Um, it's it's all very helpful you know I've been been in the industry quite some time um, but again there's always room to learn from people that are actually in in the industry you know quite successful so these sort of events you know everyone's like-minded which is always good Um, and it's always all good as well people are quite open at these events and they do tell you the struggles it's not always good it's good to hear, you know, from people that have been in the industry a long, long time. It's good to hear, that, you know, how they've got out of situations if we do have a downturn in market. Angie, having heard from both Ross and, and Alex, do you think there are other ways in which developers in the early stages of their career can be supported? That's a good question. I think a lot of this Tomorrow's Developer network is part of that. It is supporting the next gen in terms of their journey. I think Alex touched on it a little bit there and something that's guided him through his career. And that's certainly mentorship. And that's something that we're looking to as part of Tomorrow's Developer, whether that be a mentor from a Close Brothers perspective or potentially speaking to some of our existing client base and seeing whether that's something that they would like to be part of as well. And you never know. You don't know what opportunities might come uh, as part of that mentorship, for example. You know, if if some of the members from Tomorrow's Developer are actively sourcing sites and one of our developer clients is looking for a site to buy, then who knows what relationship could be forged off the back of that. But I think that's a thing that's sort of resonated with me from from base Alex and Ross. And I think that's something that we could potentially look, look at more. And I think that's something that will really help kickstart people's careers because I think when someone is starting out there is a lot of unknowns and I think in order to get the confidence someone just needs a bit of a, a guide and maybe a bit of an arm around them at times to get the right result. Andrew, Ross, Alex thank you so much for your time today it's been really interesting hearing from you all and we look forward to seeing how the initiative develops over the coming years. Thank you. That was Bricks and Mortar. 
from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the Bricks and Mortar Archive at podbean.com and the EGI Archive at egi.co.uk.